Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show, Friday, August the 18th. It is the end of the week. Thank God today is Friday. Actually, I really mean it that way. Uh, my buddy Ryan Matta, who is on the ones and twos back there, spinning the musics and sending the intros, bringing up all of our important topics, is uh, he's ready for a weekend, too. Are you are you ready, Ryan? Big time, man. Big time. It's been a long week, folks. Uh, Ryan has been on the road. He's been running down around the Texas border. He's been doing a bunch of independent reporting, making connections happen. We've been uh, trying to help out our friend Carlos, who was a whistleblower that we, we had on the podcast uh, two weeks ago or so. <sighs> and... Um, you're still unmuted. <laughs> I just heard I just heard that big sigh. And it's been a long week. He's exhausted. I know I'm tired. Uh, we've been waiting here in the Seraphim household on, on kind of pins and needles, hoping that uh, it is going to be baby time. No updates yet for you all. And you will know that it is baby time because I will not show up for a morning. I will show up and tell you that I am not there, that it is a recorded show. And we have a couple of them in the bag that are ready for you. In fact, a really, really good one, a discussion about fatherhood and parenting and um, just a reflections on the state of this country and the way that things have gone. I think you'll really appreciate that with Mickey Willis, who did the Plandemic series. So when you see the Mickey Willis thing, I'm going to be putting out a couple more pieces. I told you it's coming up. When that comes out, it means it's baby time here in the Seraphin household. Uh, that being said, I want to say thanks to our sponsors. Then we're going to bring on our guest, D-Friend, because as you know, it's Friday. And that's Friendly Friday. Um, first of all, let me say thanks to Catholic Vote. Here we go. Kaboom. Catholic Vote. Dot org. There's the front page. Look at that. There's a person doing a rosary. Those are those uh, uh, those uh, assault rosaries, I think, that you can put on the back of your AR-15, and it makes you even more dangerous to uh, to the federal law enforcement that is out there trying to infringe on your First Amendment civil liberties. Just go ahead and put in your email address, put in your zip code, hit loop me in, and you will get access to the loop, which has a bunch of really good stuff. We're actually going to talk about a couple of stories out of the loop. I'm going to spring them on Steve. This is my loop mug. You see why I told him to give it to me in black? Because you can't read this turquoise. It's it's cute, but it is not it is not virile, strong, or aggressive, which is what we need on the Kyle Serafin Show. I also want to say thanks to my friends over at Patriot Coolers. I got to actually click through this link, so stand by with me here. There it is, uh, Patriot Coolers. This is a hard cooler and a bottle of Rip Van Winkle. That's not so bad. That could be a good start to your weekend if you don't have an outstanding piece of equipment that will keep your gear cold look into a patriot cooler a hard cooler this is uh, an investment that you make for many seasons these things can be strapped down to your atv they're a lot like what you'd see in a yeti they're rota molded they will keep ice for days they have those like really good straps and unlike some of the other companies you can actually pop those straps off you can hose the thing down you can put it through the cleaner you can strap them back on they actually sell replacement straps you don't have to worry about you know rebolting something on it's a really good design and, uh, and it says Patriot right on the front there. Uh, 5% of their sales go back and support our show. And a percentage of their sales also support American veterans who have mobility issues. That is not nothing. So we do appreciate them. Uh, go ahead and look into their stuff there. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, or you can click the link in the description of the show, which is patriotcoolers.com slash discount slash Kyle. We're going to try to get them to get that cleaner up. But patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, gets you 10% off. You'll get free shipping over 10%. I'm sorry, over $50. Today's one of the, you can tell it's Friday, isn't it? And then let me just say this, because we've got this sucker up. We finally did it. We've been working on the back end, the DNS uh, domain name issues. I don't know what that means, but uh, Garrett sent me some questions and we tried to straight it out. Here it is. 
Suspendables merch. You've been waiting for it. The Suspendables, the-suspendables.com will redirect you to the new Shopify store that you can buy some of these fantastic shirts. Make whistleblowers great again, Suspendable or Die, the Hamilton thing, or the classic military PT style shirt, which says Suspendables and a stenciling on the back. I'm getting all those sent in to me right now. Uh, I'm kind of an OD green guy. You guys always see me in a black shirt, but uh, I'm an OD green guy. My girls always ask me, what's your favorite color, dad? And I say, it's green. And then they go, uh, like this? And they go, no, more like baby poop green. I'm a, I'm a military green kind of guy. That's how I roll. All right, before uh, we get any further afield, let's bring uh, buddy Steve Friend on the Friendly Friday segment. Here he is. We're going to work on new cameras, but Steve is slowly increasing his technology out on his side, so you're going to get better and better audio, better and better video. He calls himself the face of the franchise. I will let you guys be the judge. You look like you got a little bit of like a 5 o'clock shadow going on right now. Are you getting... You get a no, bit of I just dim the room. I just dim the room. I got the the better better lighting here, so you can't accuse me of being too pale. And then uh, just for uh, for clarity, because I just watched that opening video for the first time uh, and saw Christopher Ray making sure that he knew your name. So I have this today, <laughs> which came from from being in front of Congress. It throws off your white balance. There it is, Mister Friend. <laughs> Maybe we could do that in merch. I can just do this and. We can all have our own character T-shirts. I'll tell you what I would like to see. I'd like to see the Suspendables badge with uh, support your favorite Suspendable with uh, operator initials on the inside of it. So I like it. Yeah. We could yeah, do we that. Could do, There's enough room for two letters. Free the merch, man. Free the merch. I think uh, I think Garrett's going to see a great uptick in, in the demand here coming up. That's right. Yeah, no, I think so as well. Okay, so there's been this uh, discussion. First of all, people were getting on me. They were like, hey, are you late for the show? I think we're right on time. It feels like we're right on time. So people were asking me, hey, you know, what's going on? And there's this, um, there was this video that was making its rounds on Instagram. It's had me in tears. I've watched it like six times because I'm trying to glean all of the knowledge that's in it. This guy basically condensed a lot of these right-wing alpha influencers, the Jocko Willicks types, the, um, I don't know, whoever's in his same sphere that are always telling you how to live your life and how to be better and how to make more money and all this. And so there's this, I don't think you've seen this. I don't know if I said it to you, but this no. is a um, this is a video. Ryan, did you were you able to strip that thing down? Roger. Okay, let's roll this. This is especially for Truth Maximus in our live chat who said he got up at 345 this morning to kick ass at the gym, and I can appreciate that. This is what you're missing out on if you're not doing all of the things. So let's roll this influencer reel and, and, and let's figure out how to straighten our lives out. Well, I follow a lot of fitness and success alpha influencers, and I've condensed all their advice into one easy to follow daily schedule. You're welcome. 4 a.m. Wake up. Drink 28 ounces of water with salt, magnesium, and potassium. Don't break your fast. 4.15. Cold plunge at negative 6 degrees for 9 minutes while absorbing sunlight from a sun that hasn't risen yet. 4.30. Meditate. 4.50, sit on the edge of the bed and stare at your shoes. 5.10, run 11 miles. 5.30, take 400 milligrams of caffeine and drive to the gym while screaming your daily affirmations. 5.45, lift heavy weights like our ancestors did. 7.45, take 40 grams of protein. Don't break your fast. 8 a.m., go to work, but make sure you stand at your desk and get plenty of sunlight in your windowless cubicle. 10 a.m., start a drop shipping business on the side. Make 40K. Noon, eat two grass-fed ribeyes with grass-fed butter and grass-fed honey with grass-fed pineapple while running seven miles. Don't break your fast. One o'clock, back to work. One fifteen. quit your job and start a podcast. Two o'clock, quit your podcast and start a side hustle. Make 40K. Three o'clock, sell your side hustle to Google for $2 billion. 3.30, use the $2 billion to buy Google and sell it to Apple for $9 billion. Four o'clock, use the $9 billion to start another side hustle. Make 40K. 4.30, move to Austin, Texas. Five o'clock, buy crypto and start another podcast. Make 40K. Six o'clock, 
Go home and spend time with your family. 6.05, sauna. 6.30, read Dostoevsky. All of it. 7 o'clock, start another podcast about the other podcasts you started today. Make- <laughs> this guy's a comedian, but uh, you listen, we're all over here just trying to start a podcast and make 40K without breaking our fast. It's so spot on. It, it really is. It's an entire cottage industry that sprung up with people and i mean i i think obviously there's people that benefit from it uh, i've never really subscribed to that i'm always just kind of cut my own path and then do my own thing that works for me um you know but watching that he, he briefly mentioned it so it's still a little bit of the thunder but I, I just kept thinking like when are you gonna be a dad and, and like make people and then uh no he said further, it, uh, the, spend family time it's between six and six oh five that's what real men do right just podcast and then uh, say hi to the other boys on your way to the, to the gym as long as you're not breaking your fast and you're making 40k on every uh and every turn correct correct and, I, and eating grass-fed butter grass-fed butter and grass-fed pineapple <laughs> so i've done a couple of those things i did start a podcast i did move uh, outside of austin texas so i'm at least two of those i don't wake up and stare at my shoes in the morning i have other things going on usually that's a goggins thing yeah yeah usually what i do is i, I stare outside the window and i think uh is today the day when a flashbang comes through the door you too i i, I have my my sniper nest set up where i have the, the <laughs> i see the the i see the only entrance way into my neighborhood and i'm like I, I know when they're going to come because the rat that's the rat they're going to use. Right. And, and, I'm you're, always... and you're already jogging uh, early in the morning. You're running that's, 11 miles. 12 that's miles. OPSEC for me that's because I figure if I leave my house at 545, I'll see them on the way in. And then uh, I'll know that I have like two hours of freedom left before I get back. And then at that point, uh, hopefully the search is, is already started and conducted. Uh, hopefully they haven't executed members of my family. But, uh, you know, you never know with the FBI these days. What are they up to? Is their kill list three or four now for the last 10 days? I'm about to blow your mind. So, uh, Ryan, my first, I literally entitled the beginning of this uh, this topic list, Killing Spree. And, um, and so here, here's the deal. We had somebody reach out, I think, on, on Twitter and was like, you know, is there any reporting on this Tennessee shooting uh, anywhere other than this one article and uh and and my response was is like yes it's from me and it's from my friends it's from you it's from garrett it's from our guys that we have that are still in the agency that are doing this stuff so hopefully that's good enough for you he, he i think the uh the suspendables usa tag went out there and you know that's our joint account that we've been able to kind of access and so we put it out there and just said look we have original reporting for people who are either there or in the field office getting the memo that there was an agent involved shooting and we're up to four and there's one you haven't heard of yet in All fact, right. it, it predates the others. So um, we have this. Uh, I, I literally called this killing spree. Let's let's pull up topic number one, Ryan. So this is going to be the the one that was in uh, Henderson. What? Uh, there we go. So Asian involved shooting. Uh, it's on Stanford Street or Sanford Street, rather, in Henderson, Tennessee. So we talked about this. We've got Tennessee. We've got Provo, Utah. We've got Albuquerque. That's all been in the last about eight days, maybe nine days. But there actually was one on the seventh as well. So uh, the one that happened in in Tennessee took place and they used the donger. If you could pull up the uh, the pictures from, from topic three, Ryan, I wanna show the donger and I'm gonna give Steve's uh, a chance to talk about it. That's actually the picture from, from Tennessee. This is a stock photo of what the donger looks like. We've talked about it and people ask me for it. So this is the donger and there's one more picture of it right there. That is the fully uh, engaged, lifted, <laughs> I guess, fully erect donger, which we used to call the dong of justice in, in uh, the Washington field office. But you could see it is a battering ram that it fixes to the front of a of a Lenko Bearcat, 
which is an armored vehicle that goes and it's a, it's specifically designed for SWAT operations and and urban law enforcement for, you know, dangerous subjects. And uh, you can take it right through a wall. Steve, tell me about some of the training you guys did with this thing and, and how serious people thought it was. Well, when we first got it, we were joking that it was made by the you know, lowest bidder and it's a government contract. So it was more likely to hit the building and then the back end of the donger would go through the chest of the driver of the Bearcat as opposed to actually penetrating through the uh, structure. Mm -hmm. It's multi-parts, so it has to be assembled. It's not really convenient to do. You can't drive for long distances, obviously, with it because it's hard to navigate with it. So you, you have to rehearse uh, assembling it close by and then it's putting attaching it on the front, and then it has to be done quickly so you can hop back into the Bearcat and then go hit the structure that you need to go do. And you kind of look like this quasi-NASCAR pit stop team that, that does its thing. But, I mean, it's just not going to be able to penetrate like a really secured location it's it's see means it's it's again it's, it's law enforcement cosplay or it's close quarter battle cosplay and, and um if it's necessary to breach if the facility is that secure i, I have to question why you're sending a part-time tactical team that trains four days a month to go and, and get it the exception of like a hostage situation well, why why is this necessary this is i think it's, you touched on this unless you're like in baltimore or like East St. Louis, outside is pretty secure in America. You have time, you can just wait and, and then just wait for the bad guy to come outside and get him. Like if you, especially if you think he has guns, why are you gonna go into the building where he has all the guns? And you could present, you have introduced violence now or a higher likelihood of violence. And I was talking to my wife last night about it. And I said, like if my, my son is going into first grade, but last year he was in kindergarten. And let's say like he was getting picked on and or, or even bullied by another kid mm -hmm. if, if i said i'm gonna handle this as opposed to calling the teacher or telling my son to stand up for himself no i'm gonna i'm gonna use a higher threshold here i'm gonna walk into the classroom and address this this kindergartner and then this kid uh hits me in the leg and then i haul off and punch him and break his orbital socket i can claim that was self-defense by FBI standards for the way that they're categorizing these shoots. And they're saying, well, it's by policy. It's a good shoot, deadly force. It was necessary. Well, I introduced that when I walked into the kindergarten classroom. Right. Yeah. So uh, the story is, and I'm going to actually reach off screen real quickly because I keep this because I keep this handy and nearby. This sits on my desk. The story was, is that the guy in Tennessee was carrying a 357 revolver, which is about like this. And now many of you, uh, let me get it, it's going to send it in the screen. Many of you are familiar with the revolver. It has six rounds. Apparently he fired six of them. Bad decision. I mean, that makes it a good shoot. But we're talking about a man that's rolling around with this. This is uh, was made in the early 1980s. I think this was actually made in 1981, if my memory serves. It's a 686-2 for those of you who are Smith & Wesson uh, vintage fans. That's It's a beautiful piece of equipment, but it is not something that you want to go into a combat scenario with when you're dealing with 12 armed men who are coming through the door of your home uh, or breaking through the windows of it and the glass of it with the, uh, with the donger that's sitting on the front of a Bearcat. So when a bunch of guys in an armored vehicle come rolling in, and and we've mentioned this, there are places in America that are pretty unsafe. I've actually stood behind a Bearcat and thought that this is not enough in, in parts of West Baltimore, where you look around and you're like, the zombie apocalypse has already happened in this city, and we lost. We didn't, we didn't, like, we were not successful in the attempts, and the zombies have taken over. That's real. Like, they're... Every other building looks burned out. Every third building looks like it's been dropped on its own structure or there's just remnants of it. And people are doing God knows what in the dark shadows at 345 in the morning as we go roll through. 
So that's a real thing. And, and you may want to find yourself in the comfort of an actual physical structure, although those structures look pretty shady too. Um, that's not the case for most of America. You know, that's not the case for when you drive around in this country. You don't need to break into a home or a house in order to get to safety. Like we have law enforcement capabilities. All law enforcement tactics these days are geared towards slow, methodical, smart, reduce the threat, de-escalate, et cetera, because we can, because we have the technology. If you're sitting in a Bearcat, they can sit there and plink all day long. We used to have this joke. My buddy was on the, the WFO team. And Steve, you'll probably, you'll, you'll just imagine this if you were in your uh, SWAT operation room and no one's ever briefed the scenario. Imagine a drum-fed 22 caliber Ruger 1022, okay, which I have that, on a, on a tripod aimed at the Bearcat's windshield and then just someone's just squeezing off around like every, I don't know, three or four seconds and it just popping and hitting the glass there. Ding. Think how long could you tie up an FBI SWAT team that was taking incoming fire from a 22 that holds 120 rounds of it? They're just, just long enough that they would probably have HRT respond. Right. They'd put guys on helicopters from Virginia. They'd fly out there to come deal with you because you were actively like plinking. Um, Which just reminds me of we, we went through uh, SWAT training. One of the guys was saying, we talk about the selection process out of his field office. And it was like multi-day and really involved. Some of these teams, man, like it's like week long. They think it's like buds training for for Navy SEALs. They they, they get way over the top on it. Right. And uh, he said that they were out in Oregon in the standoff for like hours and hours. And finally, one of the guys just broke down. And he goes, you know what? This should be selection. You should just have to sit in a van with a bunch of dudes for like 13 hours and see who breaks and who doesn't. And if you can handle that, because that's, it's SWAT stands for sit, wait, and talk for the most part. Right. I used to call it the standard warrants and arrest team. <laughs> all right. And and it often is that too, or the standard weapons uh, attack team, because they have all the standard weapons. Like there's nothing more generic than an M4 and a, and a Glock 17 in in any law enforcement category. But but we, we make a good point because what I really want from my guys that are on SWAT, you know, the people in SWAT in any police department or federal law enforcement agent. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you can do buds level fitness. I don't care if you can do log PT. There is zero call for that in anything you ever did. I know for a fact, cause I've seen 50 to 60, maybe, maybe more SWAT warrant surf. There is no reason why your infill is longer than about 50 yards, right? You're not carrying heavy packs for long periods of time. You're not doing runs and sprints and buddy carries and everything else. You're literally rolling up over somebody's lawn that you probably destroyed their mailbox because you parked in their front yard and you're breaking down their house for a few minutes and you're having some high stress fun throwing flashbangs into empty rooms or where the grandma sleeps. And then at the end of that, then you go high five and you go get Denny's. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, we used to have this kind of sadistic, uh, senior team leader and he, and he was i mean sadistic to me because i'm very cold all the time and he would make us go out into the cold weather and train and be like you know you have to train in the cold because you have to know your equipment right and i was just like train how you really fight. really cold why wouldn't we just do the warrant the next day when it's slightly warmer it's right. not like this is an imminent threat like it, why would we train in a blizzard when we would not really do that as from an operational standpoint like i would much rather what if do what if scenarios that are highly likely like i i presented uh what if we hit the house? Um, obviously, he's not going to come to the door because he might be on the toilet at six o'clock in the morning. Right. Like if he's waking up, you know, like getting ready for work. Like, how are we going to address that threat if we catch a guy with his pants around his ankles? And he, he, what are you going to stare at him and be like, uh, finish up? Or, or are you going to yank him off the toilet? Like that to me is more likely than a lot of these scenarios that we're looking into where it's like, 
you know, you and your partner are approaching this uh, scenario. And it's a hostage negotiation because uh, the president's son uh, <laughs> had a fallout and has now been kidnapped. And I mean, it's like, come on, man, like, let's go with high percentage situations. And I'm, I'm not even doing 80, 20. It's like 99 to 1% chances of like, let's train like you fight. Right. Guy sleeping in his bed and he's naked. <laughs> and uh, he's getting up. How about dude sleeping in his bed and he's got a six-year-old kid in the bed with him? That's something we faced on a regular basis. And I, and I love it, the guy on the toilet, because now I want to put you to a decision for all your chips. Wipe or no wipe, SWAT guy. You know, and so and so what we need to get down to, and, and this is the problem, I think, with a lot of policing, I think most law enforcement has actually gone this route in many ways. Local police departments have figured out that what they need for these types of scenarios are not the most, you know, ass-kicking killers, they need people that make really good decisions under high stress. And that is what, the, the, in theory, what SWAT training was supposed to do, is supposed to get people to levels of some tiredness or some physical stress and then some, some mental stress. And then can you make a good decision under pressure? And is your instinct smart? Is it intelligent? Is it the best for the public? Instead of this, like, like you say, Bud's training, this wannabe, this wannabe operator thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's recognizing what are the most valuable assets in the situation as opposed to what all the tools you have at your fingertips are. I had one situation in my career where it was actually a, a vehicle pursuit. The guy winds up turning over and they hear banging and they believe that he's firing shots. So it's basically a standoff of, of an overturned vehicle and a subject in there. So like SWAT teams from around the areas all around. We had like 45 guys with slung M4s from multiple agencies and we had to set up a command post. And then it's like, my phone's ringing off the hook. I'm the only FBI guy there. So like by default, they assume that you're in charge of this command post. I'm like, I'm not, I'm in jeans and a t-shirt. That, that's like not, not my jam. Um, but I'm kind of running the show here and it's like, well, do we want to send the K9 unit in to like rip him out of this vehicle? Uh, do we want to send a SWAT team up to approach and then engage do him? a vehicle assault? And I was like, we're in the middle of a cornfield and the temperature's dropping. And I know we all want to get home, but like we have one, we have, 360 degrees of visibility on this guy. He's going to have to come out of this vehicle at some point. And like, we'll just wait that that's our greatest asset is time and space. I know you want to call in like a, you know, a specter gunship to do a sortie on this guy, but it's just not going to be as useful as time and waiting. And I mean, unfortunately we wait for hours and then unfortunately then for they, those guys basically lost patience and they sent in a team and I was like, look, it's not my team. It's not my subject. I can't really tell you not to do it. I would advise against it, but they sent in guys and he wasn't armed after all that. But yeah, he was probably banging on that car to try to get out, right? I mean, that's Yeah, I mean, he was like, he was, no, he was sitting there. He had like, a, uh, he was dealing with some grief. He'd had a passing and his family was in, uh, he'd had like a 24 pack in the vehicle. So he was just sitting there down in beers and eventually he just ran out of beer. Yes. That's the most, that is the most accurate microcosm for most stupidity. doesn't mean there's not real danger. doesn't mean that people don't pull weapons. I'm just saying like, you can be smarter. You don't, you can wait them out. You're getting paid. The guys that are on the locals are getting paid overtime. The guys overtime, that are on the man. fed, they get paid for this anyway. They can rotate in, they can tap people out. And uh, like I said, good decision-making trumps kill operator status, which they love to get. And I don't mind when, when law enforcement kills someone that they're justified in killing and they need to. There are times when that happens for sure. We can see it. So I don't want to act like we're some sort of like, I'm not a, what do you, you always say? You're not a shrinking violet. You know, we're not, uh, we're, we're not yeah. pacifists here that are arguing that there is not a, a place for use of force. No, I, SWAT is a legitimate law enforcement tool. It has its time and its place, but the first word is special. Yep. It, it, it requires special circumstances. It shouldn't necessarily be for a standard warrant operation. And, and that's the problem with, with agencies like the FBI. They just view all warrants 
are all arrests as being special because the people there didn't join the FBI to actually be a case agent like you see on TV and movies where they work their case and then put their handcuffs on the bad guy and then good guys win at the end of the day. They're managing cases and they're using the tools that the FBI tells them to use like chess pieces and they're sending the evidence team to do evidence and surveillance team to do surveillance and forensic accounts to do financial analysis. And now it's time to do the arrest. We'll send the default arrest option, which is the SWAT team. So now we are introducing a higher level or a higher likelihood of violence in these arrests than is absolutely necessary when you have all these other options. Just make a phone call or interdict him like you did so many times at gas stations. You choose your tactic. You choose your uh, what's on the table as far as the responses of the subject. 100% that. They always say the bad guy gets a vote, but you kind of can help shape what his vote looks like and what his options are. And going into yeah. somebody's house. So uh, just a, another example before we get into this uh, this fourth shooting that people are not aware of, which predates the other ones. The uh, my, my buddy was on the SWAT team in Sacramento and uh, spent a bunch of time doing it. And he said they went into a door one time and they caught the guy in the shower. Now, that's a legitimate question. That's a great tactic. The other problem was is that even though the guy was naked in the shower, directly under his bed, which he dived for, and my friend basically tackled him on the ground, he had a loaded a AR-15 underneath it. Because what happens when you're in the shower and somebody breaks down your door and you look and you're standing there naked and you're trying to clean yourself to get your day started and suddenly there are people in your room with flashlights yelling things that you don't understand and you're a drug dealer and you think someone's come to rip your stash, you're going for your gun. You're not waiting to find out. Like We, we have this assumption. There's always the idea, well, we yelled FBI very loudly and we were yelling search warrant. <laughs> After you threw the flashbang and deafened right. him. After the guy has no idea what's going on and he's standing naked in the shower. It's the bad decision theater that we would always have. It's like, why would you go into the place that the other person knows the best, knows where their weapons are stashed the most, and you introduce the possibility that you're going to have to make, basically, are my reactions faster than this guy? We're not trying to lure people into an Old West shootout, a quick draw. Like, I'm guessing we win. We being law enforcement, people who train, you're going to probably win the the fair fight. And that's, you know, that's good that the good guy gets to go home. It's bad that you make somebody have to make that decision when there's so many better options and we have the time and we have the resources. Uh, before we we do, let me let me introduce you to something. By the way, somebody said they really love the uh, the uh, was it sit, wait and talk. That, that was that was a big hit in the chat. Um <laughs> So if you'll pull up topic number two, Ryan, I'm going to just flash this on the screen here and I'll have uh, Steve re react to it. So here you go. Man shot by the FBI in Philadelphia dies from injuries. This is from August 7th. So this was about 11 days ago. Uh, my buddy who is involved in uh, a headquarters unit that that's, has visibility to this stuff, I don't want to say too much more about it and call him out, but because uh, he's a good source of information, said there were four shootings. They had one bombing, one hazmat response, and that the FBI also responded to two assault on federal officers by the U.S. Marshal Service in the last 10 days. A very busy evidence recovery team. But this is the first one. Has anyone heard about an FBI agent that was shot in Philadelphia? Have you heard about no. this before, Steve? Nope, haven't heard that. I've heard about Jack and McGuire getting elevated out of that that position. That's right. So let me just read the the story real quick. We'll keep reflecting on it. it says uh, a man has died days after he was shot by an FBI agent who was serving warrants in a Philadelphia neighborhood. Go shocked. Uh, sources say that the 22 year old Tahim Weeks Cook, as the man who was shot and later succumbed to his injuries, sustained in Friday's shooting on uh, the 1700 block of West Venago. I don't know, Venago Street. Uh, officials say that the FBI agents were serving a, an arrest and search warrants on a person in a nearby home. And at some point, the person that was shot later identified as Weeks Cook, Cook was shot by the agent. We don't even know if this is the person that was supposed to be in the uh, the, the warrant Doesn't service. sound like it. Yeah, it's possible. Now, you know, but you know, oftentimes you'll see people that are, they, they slip out of their homes when the feds show up or whatever, and then they, they try to return in. 
Anyway, while the FBI has yet to release any more publicly available statements, source says that it may have been linked to a string of armed robberies at 7-Eleven stores in the area. So that's good. What what I really want is I want my federal law enforcement agency handling the uh, the armed robbery string that's going on of 7-Elevens rather than letting the locals do it. And if possible, they could serve the warrant at 0600 and shoot somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, the Safe Streets Task Force needs to get its wiretap going. You know, they got to get that OSADEF operation so they can get unlimited funding. And then uh, it might be like, you know, three guys who are friends, but we're going to label them as a gang so that when we arrest them, we can claim disruptions and uh, talk about this great partnership that we have with all of our local partners where we've now uh, gone in and killed a guy uh, that probably didn't need to die, need to be in prison. Our buddy Joe Pugs, who uh, folks can follow on Twitter and probably have if you've been in any of our Twitter spaces, you've probably seen uh, Joe's doing his thing. Joe was an FBI agent with me at the Washington field office. He was there for exactly two years minus one day and resigned on his own steam the day before his probation ended because they were planning on trying to fire him on that same day. His story is actually really atrocious. It was atrocious at the time. And the reason that he got in hot water with the FBI staff is because he was not wearing a, uh, a tie with his jacket and dress shirt and slacks when he went to go see an initial appearance. It may have been that he wasn't wearing a jacket, but he was wearing a tie. It's He was missing one critical article of clothing that a female administrative agent was throwing out there. And because of that, he was removed from the FBI service. And he's a he was a detective before, and he's a detective again. And he's working for a for a, a PD in the, uh, the Maryland area. And he is working with what's called the Cross-Border Task Force. This is a CR2, Criminal Criminal Squad 2 out of Washington Field. And they are pissed at him right now because he's not giving him all the intel on his own cases that he's running because there's a criminal gang of people that are stealing um, mufflers and catalytic converters in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And his team is on it. They've got trackers. They've got uh, you know phone pings. They've got all the tactical tools to be able to stop it. And they're dealing with a local crime issue. The FBI is trying to declare it to be a major counterterrorism, counterintelligence threat. And they have strangely tried to link it to the Israelis, which is hilarious. And they're mad at Joe because Joe won't give them all their intel on the case because they can't find the subjects that him and his team are running around following. So they're only reading about it after it gets done. And they want to get the they want to get that bust. They want that lust for the bust. Uh, you know, payoff. They want to get that, which I, I love, by the way. They're they're out there trying to gain gain stats off my buddy's work, who used to yeah, be an it's FBI 100%. agent. Yeah, hundred percent. That's 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 Agent Johnson, Agent Johnson, no relation. They're going to come in in big time and adopt a case and take it in a direction that it doesn't need to go in. Like these guys are stealing mufflers; they're not terrorists. And if they're stealing mufflers to further terrorist activity, like that, that seems like a really bad plan. Um, but obviously, you would apprehend them and stop them from doing that. And then ergo, there would be no more funding to terrorism. Why, why is the FBI trying to jump on this? It's just, again, trying to justify their existence and take a case and claim stats off of it and then take it away from the locals and then put it on TV and claim that it was the greatest, uh, well, the, maybe the new greatest uh, Al-Qaeda takedown, even though there was no link to Al-Qaeda. When I was uh, applying for the FBI, someone told me that your personal statement and every single time you answered a question during the phase two interview phase should have been... Um, you, you ask me a question, and then I tell you how me, myself, and I saved the world and why you should hire me because of it. That's what you were supposed to phrase your answers as. And that culture exists throughout the FBI. It exists throughout uh, maybe federal law enforcement in general, but it's all about this, like, how did we come in and save the day and present ourselves as the superior? You saw it at the Academy. The, I know you did. The 954, the promotion exactly. document, that, that's, that's basically what it is. I mean, if I was told if you complete one, you basically have to take a shower after you do it because you're claiming 
responsibility for anything that you might have had the the least amount of involvement with. Like, and that was every time I had a program manager come in, it was every 18 months. I'd be working on the res and somebody who had no experience on an Indian reservation would be a program manager in at headquarters. And they would call me up and they would ask me about some case that I hadn't thought about for like eight months because it was sitting with the U.S. attorney's office. Maybe the guy was already locked up. They were negotiating a plea. So I wasn't doing anything on it. They, and they didn't and read the case file. No, they had no idea. And they were like, well, I have some thoughts on this case. And I'm like, because you just want to put your name on something in this case because you think something in this case sounds sexy to you that you could put on your 954 for your promotion. That's right. Yeah. And so how does that culture exist? Let's bring up topic number four. Uh, Ryan, if you want to throw this on the screen here for Steve to see as well. There we go. Um, the, can you pull up the, uh, there, there's actually a, a screenshot of it. This is uh, Jenna 626, also known as November 708 Juliet Hotel. This is the FBI Gulfstream, the 550 that Chris Ray flies around in. And if you have it, we'll pull it up. But essentially what we've got is some movement by Coming Chris right Ray. Perfect. The movement by Chris Ray, this is the, uh, we're going to see in just a second here, the past flights that he's been involved in. And they used that plane for a little bit. They actually flew to Henderson. Um, but the other thing that's really important is, there it is. What you guys can see there, if you scroll about halfway down, if you're looking on tiny print, you won't be able to read it. But he went to Adirondack Regional Airport on Monday. And it looks like they just picked him up and brought him back home. They're going to have to pick him up from his, from his vacay. He's doing a uh, personal vacation again on the taxpayer dollar in our private jet. And of course, in order to go and pick him up, what they did first was they flew to uh, DC Reagan. He's continuing the pattern of flying out, having an aircraft fly to him because it's easier for him to get his motorcade to drive him a few minutes down to Reagan. Then he goes and takes his jet set off to go do fun things like go to his go to his favorite place in the Adirondacks. This is the same thing that Josh Halley was yelling at him about saying, I've never been there. I, I don't remember the name of the place, but uh, Chris Ray, living like a prince, not solving these problems that happen in the FBI. The culture continues. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, look, he says that there's a record number of applicants to the FBI. So He's that good. means that everything's good. Look, if you poison your customers as a restaurateur and the customers say, every time I eat your food, I get food poisoning. I don't like your restaurant. And you say, well, I have a record number of people applying to be waiters. So I'm good. That's the logic that Christopher Ray follows to justify what's gone on with the FBI, where the public approval of it is now, it's actually crossing party lines. It's like something like 35% approval for the FBI. It's its approaching Congress. Which is, yeah, the historically terrible stuff. If you'll pull up uh, topic number eight for me too, Ryan, there was a uh, an ongoing decision. I'll tell you this, the federal courts are, are kind of a disaster area, uh, but what we do have is the Fifth Circuit is one of the few that is actually pushing back. They've pushed back on the FBI. They've pushed back on the DOJ. They've pushed back uh, about the the mandates that were going on. If you guys saw the uh, the federal worker mandate for COVID uh, vaccines, it was actually uh, held in injunction by the Fifth Circuit, and then it was affirmed by the NBank review that happened. This is the, the group Feds for Medical Freedom. And here's another one of them. The White House strongly disagrees with the Fifth Circuit abortion pill ruling, which is to say that you can't send them in the mail. And uh, they, they're going out there and, and they're claiming that, you know, that the White House has this like, you know, why they would have any position on an abortion ruling is beyond me. I'll let you reflect on this in a second, Steve. Just says the Biden administration, this comes from our friends at Catholic Vote, by the way. If you're getting the loop, you will get this. The Biden admin strongly disagrees with a federal appeals court Wednesday uh, that ended mail order abortion pills and placed other restrictions on abortion causing drugs. You know, like you can't order your drugs through the mail. You have to go to a pharmacy like everyone else does for everything else. Why we're trying to make this thing out there who knows? It says, we strongly disagree with today's ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in alliance uh, 
for Hippocratic medicine versus FDA, because we actually have to go out and fight our federal government's positions on trying to kill off babies. It says it undermines the FDA's scientific independent judgment and reimposes onerous restrictions on safe and effective medication abortion. Um, Steve, I'll let you reflect on that for a second here. How in the world have we gotten, I was just was telling people on Twitter today, you know, in the eighties, we didn't have any of this stuff. We didn't have the internet. We had to pick up a, a home phone and you had a wired phone. I, sh I showed my uh, kids a movie where they, where there's a girl, she was talking to her friends and she's like spinning around, wrapping herself up in the phone, like the, the landline. And, and everyone knew that abortion was supposed to be safe, legal and rare. That was sort of the piece on it. Um, you, you have this rewriting of history right now, and then you have the freaking white house fighting uh, against court rulings. I don't know. Help help the world make sense for me a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you'll uh, can help me make sense because it's completely nonsensical. Let's talk Hippocratic Oath. Now, now it's oh so important mm -hmm. when you can uh, have these doctors that say, hey, look, I know you have the disease right now and there's uh, some medicine that I could give you, but I'm not going to give you that. And uh, make sure after you recover, hopefully, and don't have to go into an iron lung or die in a hospital, uh, that you get the vaccine for the exact illness that you just had. Oh, and by the way, in keeping with my Hippocratic Oath to do no harm, if uh, your little boy likes to play with Barbies, we should probably castrate him and then put him on hormones that give him cancer because that's the route we need to go as opposed to maybe sitting him down and saying like, hey, that's, you know, I know you might be confused and, and let, let's let's deal with your, your mental uh, issues because, you know, permanently scarring him physically is is the actual way to do it so hippocratic oath i guess is negotiable now it, it's just whatever you perceive to be your 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 preferred end and yeah. uh i don't take them seriously at all and i've lost basically all respect for the medical industry i was just having a conversation with my sister who works in the medical industry about it and i i ran out of a prescription for my asthma medication and she she helped me get one and she's like why don't you have a practitioner and i was like i haven't been the doctor in like two years because I don't trust any of them at all. I got Delta and the guy told me that he wouldn't give me ivermectin and I should take hot and cold showers and make sure I got the Pfizer vaccine uh, when I recovered. And I told him that I was taking my asthma medication. He said, you're risking your children's lives by doing that. And I said, they live in the house with me and it's very contagious. I, I think we're good. Right. Yeah. I had COVID the first time around, whatever the alpha wave was. And I'm sure I had the Delta wave as well. And, uh, you know, my kids survived. My wife was pregnant when we had the first run in 2020. And I thought that was always interesting. Nothing happened to her, by the way. I don't even think she lost. I don't think she even lost her sense of smell. I was pretty tired carrying my kids up and down the stairs. And that was the the net result. Let me um, let me pivot over. I think this was topic number. Is it topic number nine, Ryan? Yeah. Parents don't matter. Also coming from our friends over at Catholic Vote. It was something I thought was really interesting. So um, this is the danger of it because we we have institutions that have lost uh, the the credibility. We talked about it the other day, Steve, on the on the show. I talked about it. How there's this like idea that there's a wellness to fascism pipeline because uh, people are looking around and going, "Hey, I don't trust the medical industry. I don't trust the the media. I don't trust fill in the blank industry." And the other side of the coin is what's going on in Virginia right now. This is the uh, Fairfax County Public Schools. I used to live in Fairfax County. This hits close to home. They were a wild leftist group. And the, the headline is, is Virginia's biggest school district violates the new pro-parent rules that were pushed through under Glenn Youngkin, who ran on um, the sovereignty of parents to be able to, to make good decisions for their kids. So this school district, which is the largest in the state, one of the largest in the country, serves over 181,000 students encompassing many of the affluent suburbs of D.C., which is, like I said, where we used to live, uh, ranked top five wealthiest counties in the U.S. with a median household well into the six figures. 
And uh, despite the pro-family and pro-parents' rights things that have been going on in Virginia, the Fairfax County Public School said that we have concluded in our detailed legal review and determined that our current Fairfax County Public Schools policies are consistent with state and federal anti-discrimination laws that are required by the new model policies. And so what they're going to do is they said they're going to uh, support students. They're going to work with uh, family members, parents, and caregivers that are not mutually exclusive. They're going to support transgender and gender expansive students and they are going to make sure that they have a safe, supportive, welcoming, and inclusive school environment. They are going to uh, they are going to not tell people about trans pronouns. They are not going to uh, stop boys from entering the girls' bathrooms, and so on. So this is the thing the left does really, really well. They go, uh, "You said what we're doing is illegal, but we want to, so we're going to do it anyway." We don't agree with what that judge says, but we're not really into that judge, so we're just going to do whatever we like. And the people on the on the political right tend to just go, well, the judge said we can't do it, so now we have to stop. Oh, the judge said we can't do this, so we are going to stand down. What I'd love to see is some people in the Republican side, maybe that's happening in Florida, uh, step up and have some freaking balls and do the thing that they are elected to do. And if there is a, a conflict by some federal judge, you know what? Keep doing your thing. And then uh, let them appeal it to the Supreme Court and then maybe still do your thing because this is supposed to be, as we covered on a Twitter space on Wednesday, this is supposed to be a Republican form of government that exists on federalism, which is to say the biggest layer of the cake and the strongest powers are supposed to be closest to the people it represents. Are you getting that sense that there's a, at least a mood happening in Florida? I'm on a different state, so we have different feelings on local. There is in Florida. I mean, uh, I think it was last week the governor removed yet another one of these district attorneys from Orlando who was just refusing to to enforce the law. Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely an, and there's an appetite for it. I, I was pushing out this idea of we we have to go to a place of mutually assured destruction at this point. It's we're we're in an irreconcilable difference scenario where one side says whatever we say is either banned or required and you must be assimilated into the Borg. There's resistance is futile and the other side is saying like well no you do you and i do me and uh, i have this letter from mommy called the constitution that says you can't do that um and that should protect me and it's we it's it really is like it's an old and dusty document that's not going to do anything when one side doesn't recognize its legitimacy and just goes ahead and and moves forward and does whatever they want to do so i think the only way to do that is to meet force with force and say look uh it's the the israeli-palestinian uh, analogy that I used, like, we're not going to put our guns down because when you, we do, the Israel will be gone. We have to respond back with equal force and we can do it the right way, but we have to respond. We can't just say, you know, I, you know, I'm going to do it, you know, I'm going to do it. And that's what Yunkin apparently they, they believe he's done that. He says he's made a threat. He's not going to follow through on it. So that there needs to be some actual ramifications. There needs to be criminal charges against people who are violating his order. Yep. Now, look, there's the that old book of three felonies a day. Find something. They're doing it to Donald Trump. I mean, they charge the dude with like 41 felonies or something like that in Georgia. Like, just find something and charge it and enforce it. Everywhere. And, or if you're the governor, send send the National Guard to that school district and be like, no, no, we're not doing that. I like, agree. I, I agree with you, too. And, and I think you make a good point because it's starting to, to have some rumblings on the social media circuit that I'm seeing. People are saying if we're going to have. Donald Trump indicted under everything, and we're going to show what weaponization looks like. It's time to weaponize everybody. We need AGs to dig into the pockets and start charging left leftist politicians everywhere. Well, All you have the left- place, even ones that are not in your district. Just Correct. You have, I mean, you have district attorneys who got elected locally on the premise of I'm going to charge Donald Trump with a crime. Right. 
they said they've made no secret about that. And and I, I saw that there was like a recent poll. The, the more they indict Donald Trump, the few, the lower the actual population believes anything's going to happen, which to me is just baffling. I was like, where do you think this train goes? Like, he's going to get convicted. Yeah. In Georgia, he can't even be pardoned by the governor. There's no out for him. He has to go to prison for five years and then appeal to a board to be pardoned. Right. It's not a direct governor relationship there. So he's going to prison or some form of, of incarceration. He's not going to be on the ballot in multiple states like Arizona and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. The secretaries of state are going to say, well, he's under uh, investigation. We're not allowing his name on the ballot. And then look, uh, are you the primary? All this here's, here's the issue. Do you think that the bloodlust that these people have for somebody like Donald Trump, where they have now just turned the entire government against this guy, do you think it's going to be ah, satisfied because we got him in Georgia and we're going to just move on as a country and everything go back to normal? No, th there's something that that energy goes somewhere after that. That's right. So where's it going? What's the plan? It's going to you and me. Yes. And it's going to you and me. And you got to see that in an interesting way. And I and I think this actually shows a failure. I, I was going to get there. You knew I was going to get there. The, there's a uh, train broadcaster right there. son. look at this. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we have a group of people in this country that are trying to say, look, I've been a Republican since 1971 and I believe in rule of law and Donald Trump is bad for the Republic. And so therefore, whatever I say stands. And these are the people that are actually the most dangerous. I get that the avowed leftists are going to be leftists. I get that the activists are going to be activists. What I don't want to see is people who claim to have conservative values unable to open their freaking eyeballs up, look at the world and say things are not operating fairly. The rules of engagement have changed and we must adapt in order to deal with this battle space or not be able to survive. And make no mistake about it, an information war is a war. It's just not a shooting war. This is a war right now that we're involved in. It's a war for this country. And when I used to get up and go and sit in my my podcast uh, RV in Arizona, my dad would say, look, go to the war, but come home and don't bring it with you. And it's really hard to leave the war behind, particularly when you have interactions like you just had. I'd love you to tell the story about going to the Rotary Club, tell people specifically what Rotary Club it is and uh, and the interaction that you had and, and lay it out to me the way you did yesterday. Yesterday, I was seeing red on your behalf based on this story. And folks, if you're listening to it, I think you will also find this to be the case. This is a very frustrating story, but it is, is representative of many things that we're seeing in this country right now. I was invited to speak at a Rotary Club here, the Ormond Rotary. I live in Daytona Beach. Ormond Beach is just, just north of that. And for the most part, let me just qualify right away. Everybody was very nice, and it was a, it was a great setting. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that opportunity to speak. And I just went there as their speaker to their meeting to just talk for about 15 minutes about my experience as a whistleblower. And they, and they were gracious enough to welcome me in to do that. And, and they're not political. They're a community organization. So I went there and, and described my experience as a whistleblower and the, the fallout, the usurpations that I experienced at the hands of the FBI and, and, and got into some of the problems uh, as much as I could in about 15 minutes and then got done and then had time for a couple questions. And there was a gentleman there who was very angry in his, his questioning. It was very clear that he was frustrated with, with my presence being there. And he asked me a number of questions and he sort of monopolized the questioning time. He just kept firing questions. And first he said that, uh, I was very clear that I had administrative problems, but I really should have just done what I was told to do. That was the problem. And that the, my objection to sending SWAT to a guy, uh, was, was wrong because he might possess a firearm and that that would necessitate the use of SWAT. And and I re responded to that question. I said, look, I did SWAT. We'd, we'd interviewed this guy a year and a half before 
there'd been no contact. He pledged to be cooperative with us. To me, it presented more of a risk for us to go to his house with that level of force because he pledged to be cooperative. And then he's reasonably concluded that maybe we've moved on. He's no longer a target and, and we could get into a shooting like we had in Utah or something like the, one of these other shootings that we've had. And uh, he immediately just took that and default and just went to the next thing and said, well, you know, you don't have a security clearance anymore, so you can't be an agent. And I responded just to dwell that. on that for a second. What, what that was, this is like the, the neener, neener, boo, boo. Yeah. Thing. To yeah. You. Yeah. He said, you, you it's basically, it's an appeal to authority, right? It's saying you lost the, the necessary tool to be a special agent. So your opinion on this matter, regardless of your experience or knowledge, doesn't matter. The, obviously you, your opinion is no good because the higher authorities revoked your security clearance. And right. look, I had explained, look, they suspended my clearance for looking at the employee handbook. Uh, to get after me for whistleblowing. And then they officially revoked it the day I testified at Congress. How convenient. And he didn't see uh, anything wrong with that, which is the real problem. And yeah, and his follow-up to that was, you took money from Cash Patel. And I said, no, I didn't. This is, this then, is someone that's a Republican, by the way, people. I yeah, we, we learned that. We learned that after because, you know, he's, the he's internet. He's 84 years old. So here's the funny thing about this. If you are going to go out and attack one of my friends, I'll just make this general warning to anybody. If you go attack one of my friends, and we know your physic. We just know your name, where you were at some point in time, or where you might live in a, a region, and that you're old as dirt, which is what uh, Steve described him as to me. I will find out everything about you if I want to. This is what we do. We're we're literally trained at doing this, and I don't need any FBI resources to do so. Um, I you know I went and found the picture of the guy's front door just because I was curious. I'm like, what kind of house does this guy live in? Is he living rough? Is he suffering under this administration? No, he looks like he's living in a very manicured lawn. He's got uh, three different vehicles, which I took a look at. And at the end of the day, we can go out and find all kinds of things. You want to be an ass to, to our friends who've stood up for America. Like, this is the real problem. This is the real threat to me. It's not the idea that some radical leftist is going to do radical lefty things. We already know that. They're unhinged. We're not listening to them. It's the people that are within, theoretically, the own movement of conservatives, lowercase c, um, people who are Republicans who, in theory, would agree with me on most things, and we should probably vote most the same ways. If you are going to go out and attack Steve Friend because you think you're going to appeal to the authority of the FBI, you're the problem. You and I both have a bunch of mutual contacts that are in that thing. They're like, we need to reform the FBI. And it's like, yes, with fire. We need to burn <laughs> it to the ground with the sacred fires that leave it cleansed from all of its, its wrongdoing. So can we get to the big reveal here? Of course. That the, 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 the story gets even better. Of course, please. So I, after we get done, um, you know, everybody's just kind of milling around and uh, shake a few hands. And then I'm, I'm actually getting ready to leave. And they say, uh, you have to meet this guy who is a, actually a retired FBI agent. And I said, okay. So I go over to meet him. It's the same guy. <laughs> and he, uh, he has a brief conversation with me where he says, you know, you can never be an agent again because you're security clearance is revoked. And I said, I know I don't want to be because they tried to make me violate the oath that you took. And he said, well, what's your plan now? What do you, what can you do now? And I said, well, I've got some skill sets and, uh, you know, I've, I, I might have an opportunity to do some, some things in media and, and some other, and he cut me off because your, your shelf life is about an inch long. You're, you're done. You're done with that. And, uh, he walked away from me. That is a man who worked for the agency and sees there's no higher calling to him. And 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 look, I mean, maybe back back in the day when J. Edgar Hoover was like younger than you, um, that was that bore bore true. But um, it's very clearly not. And you're not recognizing that the agency has evolved or at least revealed itself because I contend it's always been this way. I think so too. And, 
and it's revealed itself to be a objective force for ill and accept that fact, accept that you contributed that fact either knowingly or not. Yep. And be a part of the solution here, as opposed to circling the wagons to defend the carcass of the FBI, because that's how you draw your pension and have your three vehicles in Norman Beach, which is a nice area in Florida. It turns out. So Robert E. Roth, tough guy, Bob, who wants to go out there and tell my friend that he's done. I think you're going to find out that you're wrong. And the reason why is the FBI is always recruited probably from like the top 25 percentile. It was like a a 75% and above kind of rating to get in there. So people are not dumb by any means, but that doesn't mean they're exceptional. And people like Steve Friend, I'll just say it because I know about Steve's things. We we compared notes. This is why we get along. I, we did we did kind of like a, a size up at one point in time. <laughs> Steve Friend is exceptional. He's not just like a one percenter. He's above that. He's far too exceptional to be in the FBI. And as some of the suspendables have proven, the the capabilities that we are bringing are far more exceptional than most of our colleagues. There's a reason why when you're an original thinker, when you have somebody who has the ability to do critical thought, look in here and hold two conflicting ideas at the same time in your brain, you are not going to sit well in a federal agency that is simply trying to do what they are told in order to get their paycheck. And so guys like Bob Roth, in Florida are going to have that problem. They're going to have the cognitive dissonance of I'm the good guy. I was always the good guy. How do I know I was the good guy? Because I went to an academy where they told me I was the good guy. I was elite by my own name. No one else said anything. It was just me and my own agency tooting our own horn, telling us how premier we were. You know, the most premier and, agencies in the world are not telling themselves how premier they are all the time. No, not at all. I mean, they, they hurt themselves. Their shoulders are like really from stretching around and pat themselves on the back so much. <laughs> but and, and this is this is important for your your audience and for your viewers. The caliber of the conversations that are held on the Kyle Serafin show are light years above intellectually any conversation that I ever had in the FBI with anybody who was hired by the FBI. The only thing that I would compare it to was with a task force officer who was smart enough to get out of dealing with the FBI and now does other things. So it's, I mean, while they may, might pull from a pool of applicants that's in that 75th percentile, uh, there's a whole lot of smart people who don't know a lot, and they, they've not really used their, their intellect to, uh, to expand their, their horizons or to dig into anything beyond the surface level. And as a result of that, I think that the, the agency's uh, performance has borne that out. Uh, but I would compliment the audience here because if you're keeping up with this conversation, you um, you're too good for the FBI as well. Then that's something. And you and I never met while we worked in the FBI. I'm going to have Ryan bring up topic number uh, 11, because I think this actually goes directly to what we have just been kind of alluding to this. Put your nose down, do what you're told, nose to the grindstone sort of attitude. This comes from the Daily Signal, but I actually found it also in the loop this morning. The loop was actually some of my show prep because I knew you were coming on and I wanted to see what I could do with it. Folks, if you're missing out on the loop, this is this is what you're missing out on. Uh, Pro-abortion attacks on pro-lifers face little to no consequence from the D.C. authorities. Police say they're still investigating a violent assault on pro-life activists that took place outside of a D.C. Planned Parenthood clinic in late July. Uh, but a little bit closer, if you look at the numbers, it says that uh, the D.C. authorities handle attacks on pro-lifers. It, it raises questions about the lack of consequences for the attackers and how safe it is for those engaged in pro-life work in the nation's capital, which is a leftist place. Um, I was told that uh, it was really, really, really hard for anybody to find people in the dark. And that's why we don't know who's been burning down uh, crisis pregnancy centers. I think that was Merrick Garland, the, the, the attorney general of the United States, a.k.a. the general, the little toad that runs that uh, agency. 
Isn't that the guy who said it's really hard to do that, Steve? It's just hard to find people in the dark. No one's ever solved a crime at night. No, I mean, it's just why we can't find the pipe bomber. You know, oh, even though yeah, we have yeah. like geofence technology, we're able to find grandma who walked into the Capitol for four minutes mm. and uh, took a selfie. But uh, certainly nobody who left a WMD outside a facility that housed the vice president-elect for a significant portion of time. And, and certainly nobody who vandalized or tried to commit arson against a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, because, you know, nighttime, it's, that's, that's what they operate. I mean, look, the FBI doesn't use its, its night vision for SWAT, so it would lend itself to be a legitimate uh, pushback and say, look, we can't address it, can't see at night. And, you know, this is the same agency that's out there trying to help get tweets of Donald Trump's and get metadata on them to figure out whatever it is they're trying to pin on January 6th. But they can't get the tweets from James Revenge that posted photographs of the vandalism that they got involved in when they were burning down crisis pregnancy centers in 2020 and 2021 um, in, in the run up to the Dobbs decision. So there's that. This is this is the two tiered system of justice, people. It's one group trying to play by the rules. It's another group that says the rules don't matter. It, it only matters if you win. This is like the uh, this is like the uh, the interaction that you saw between Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp in the original Pirates of the Caribbean. You remember, he said the only rules are what a man can do and what a man can't do, because he said, "Hey, that's not fair." Like you, you draw your sword on it, and he's like, "Pirate." Uh, the left <laughs> is full of people. They love the idea of pirate. It's like we're going to use the rules when they make sense. We're going to hold the rules against you when we can. That's one of Solinsky's rules for radicals: hold the other side to account for their own standards. And General no Pompey, it's the Roman General Pompey. Do not uh, do not. Speak of the law to we who have swords. That's been a principle for a long time. Like it goes even further, doesn't it? That's yeah, exactly it's, right. Mao is the power of the tip of a gun. Like it's it's uh, it's time immemorial that that concept. Um, and I I, I cre credit to people for trying to evolve past that thinking and being a sophisticated society that upholds civil rights. And it's not just like hey, the people with the bigger muscles are going to run things just because they can inflict violence on you. We tried to, to move beyond that, but I think in our base nature, and whether or not it's guys who can deadlift more or they just have more guns, uh, that, that there's always going to be something that we can't avoid. That's just human nature. The uh, the veil of civility is very, very thin, and you can see it really easily. They did it in the 70s. They had a garbage strike where the garbage collection guys just stopped collecting garbage for a week, and it brought <laughs> the city of New York to its knees. My father-in-law, who is a communist and uh, a, you know like a Workers Unite type guy, was 100% big fan of how that worked. He was like, all you had to do was not collect garbage for a week. He loves that. And unfortunately, for the way that the people on the political left think right now, all the people collecting garbage that I've talked to, you know, they're pro Donald Trump guys because their lives were noticeably better. The cost of things were less. The fuel was less expensive. You know, they were able to afford things that they couldn't previously do. You could see videos all over TikTok and things like that. Um, th there are people that were like just making their thoughts and they're, they're blue collar people, blue collar people who work hard for a living. Even the ones in the unions, I don't understand, like the union leadership seems to go blue. But the uh, the guys that are working on the, on the front that are actually like, you know, putting calluses on their hands like grownups, they were not pleased with what has been happening. And, uh, you know, that that veil of civility may get pulled back pretty quickly. It's like I said, everybody wants to do Civil War stuff. Everybody wants to talk tough until Civil War stuff starts happening. We saw that with Kyle Rittenhouse, how the minute that things got violent and somebody decided to go like, you know what? I'm not about to get killed by people with a freaking skateboard because I have an AR-15 and I'm going to smoke three bad guys. And uh, suddenly it was all pearls and legal system and rule of law. It's just so funny how they pivot. Yeah, I mean, and, and look back, back to just like the regular folks. Like, I think that's why you have this anthem that's taken off so much. This Oliver Anthony anthem. He's he represents 
62 or maybe 75 million people, which is why you think you, that the left goes after your Donald Trump. That's what he symbolizes to them. It's not him personally. I think that you know, obviously they have a lot of derangement against him personally because he, they felt like he violated uh, his blood oath to their side. He was with them for so long. And how dare you betray us, which is kind of ironic because he's all about, uh, you know, <laughs> he's all about loyalty in, in his inner circles, but uh, he's, he betrayed their worldview, which is why they're going after him so hard. But I think he represents 75 million people who might have different interests across the board. Uh, you know, in, in this case with Oliver, it's, it's folk music, but uh, it's it, that representative that we, it's the let's go brand. We know what you're doing. We're not stupid. Right. And we're not, we're not going to just submit to your rule as a technocrat because you know better than us. That's unacceptable to us. Hopefully more people wake up to that because it's the time for comfort is, uh, is, is growing really, really short. hundred uh, percent. Quiet Coney just said the, the New York garbage crews were all run by the mob when they were doing this thing. And that's of course the case. The mob is actually the mob being the mafia be that was the fundamental exercise of we're tough. We have the guns. We can do whatever we want. We don't play by the rules and we're willing to bring you to our knees. Uh, Ryan was just asking me, is there something like making noise in your background that we're <laughs> he's like, what is happening there? Is that your conference call? You're gonna have to jump on here in a minute. Yeah, I think they're just chit chatting a little bit. And the family just got home too, so I'll, I'll I'll mute when I can. Oh no worries. We're, I think we're about to wrap this thing up here. I just wanted to say that this is that is the raw exercise of what a power and authority looks like. It's the we're the biggest guys. We're the ones who can deadlift. We're the ones who are willing to drop all the moral, uh, you know, the, the the veneer of civility and go after and do the things to achieve our raw, you know, naked goals. Folks, if you want to know, uh, if you got some time over the weekend, go watch Starship Troopers. And you'll see a very funny sort of education to this. It's done in a satirical way because they're sort of making fun of this sort of fascistic sort of Nazi society. But you'll hear them talking about the only way that you exercise power is through violence. And we're, we have not evolved that far from that. Watch Starship Troopers and then go on YouTube and watch the critical drinker talk about Starship Troopers. And you will realize how that movie was actually not just a cheesy movie. It's, it's actually very well done the way they do. It's almost like a parody. Yeah, I know. They, the, it's, a, it's a satirical piece in a lot of ways that teaches you some really important points about the way that uh, not just human nature works, but also the way that government sort of interacts with it. And we're living in that time right now. The whole like, you know, do you want to know more? We're, we're doing that, but they're only going to feed you the narrative. Uh, and, and that goes doesn't matter whether you're talking about FBI shootings or you're talking about uh, abortion clinic bombings or you're talking about Donald Trump indictments like they're going to feed you a narrative and they are out there. And it looks like even though we have multiple sides, the controlled opposition is that they're still feeding you things that are within the acceptable uh, sort of uh, Overton window of what we can talk about. It's not the yeah, real story. They, they know they have that ability. Look, I, I, I've talked about this a couple of times. I don't know if I've done it on your show. Um, do you remember 2008? when Tina Fey did the Sarah Palin impression. Right. And it was, it was very well done. I mean, mm -hmm. she was very funny. Um, there are still people who believe that Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my house. Yes. Because that's the power of media. And that wasn't a deep fake. That was just somebody who dressed up. That was Saturday and, Night Live. That was yeah. literally a comedy routine that has become part of the, the lexicon of, of assumption that that was really happening. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's the way that you can influence and move an entire culture. And uh, hopefully more people wake up and there's more people that are talking about the uh, the Richmond north of Richmond. That's it. Um, I think I threw your book on here. We'll have you do a little plug for that. I'm gonna let you uh, escape here. Topic 14. If you have in front of you, Ryan, we can pull up Steve books. Uh, we'll let him uh, tell people where you can follow. If you're not following Steve friend, what are you doing with your life? Follow Steve friend at real Steve friend on Twitter. Uh, tell him about your your book sales. Any any updates on that? Any signings coming up? <laughs> 
Yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to be going up to mostly in Florida, be in Orlando and then Pinellas County later on. Uh, I contacted the warehouse. They are out of books. So it's everything's back with Amazon. They might be coming back for a third order, especially as we come up on Christmas time. There might be a paperback order as well. So I think everything's going really well. True Blue, my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower. And you can find out all about uh, how bad the FBI is in greater detail than you will when I get 45 seconds to talk to Jesse Waters. <laughs> That's it, too. Uh, I've been out for just over, what, about 75 days right now. So doing a, a gangbusters job selling it. Way to go. Way to write the book. Way to sit down and put your, your pen to paper or your, your fingers to a, a keyboard and, and get that out for people. It was I, I had the opportunity in it and I was like, this is not my opportunity. And you were the man for that occasion. So I'm really glad you wrote a book and got it done. And folks, you can go find that. Uh, the link is going to be in our show description. So by all means and follow Steve on Twitter and on True Social. It's real underscore Steve friend if you're doing it on True Social. Um, have a good weekend, buddy. Enjoy that conference call. I know Center for Renew America. Tell them we say hi from the Kyle Serafin show. We appreciate them letting you. <laughs> Everything. Hey, man, they're, they're throwing you some possible interviews. So uh, they're, they're fans of the show as well. So hey, you have a great weekend. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. So ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Kyle Serafin Show. We are streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas, Monday through Friday at 0930. If you want to catch the live show, you can do that at 0930 Eastern Time. That's 830 here in Texas, America. You can join us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, and you can join the live chat. If you are in the live chat, you happen to be watching this thing on Rumble, please scroll on down just a little ways. Right next to where the title is, there's a little thumbs up. You can give us the a plus thumbs up. We do appreciate that. Make sure it turns green, and that lets you know that it has been logged for all of you in the live chat that have been rolling today. Very much appreciate it. And uh, I've been kind of eyeballing it off to the side of my the corner of my eye. If you're looking for Joe Pugs, I had somebody ask about that. Joe Pugs on Twitter. I will uh, I will tag him on something today on today's show since we mentioned him and I know he'll come back and watch it. Um, we want to say thanks to all of you for watching. We do want to say thanks by reading the five star reviews that we continue to get rolling in. We're well over uh, the five, the 650 mark rolling towards 675. So today's five star review was written by Rare 526 episode 107. Wow. Excellent job, Kyle. You've been listening to, or I've been listening to your podcast, Kyle, from the beginning, episode 107, I know what you meant, was one of the most powerful episodes yet. Thank you for calling out your former colleagues to do the right thing and start speaking out against this tyranny. I've also realized after listening to you that I too am a proud suspendable as a nurse who lost my job due to the vaccine mandate. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication to get the word out there. You and your team are amazing. Love you guys. Hashtag suspendables strong. We stand with you and a love heart. We appreciate that. Uh, Rary, thanks for for speaking out about the vaccine. Thanks for being somebody in the medical community that did the right thing. And as far as our team, we'll say thanks to our team, which is a one-man show over there, Ryan Matta. There he is. He's got the backwards hat on at the moment. Uh, we say thanks to Ryan Matta. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T-A, or you can find him on True Social at Ryan Matta, just his first and last name. And you can find him on LFA TV in the afternoon. It's at 2 Eastern time. His show is called Matta, M-A-T-T-A, Matta of Fact. Check that out. You can join him in the live chat there with the LFA TV folks. He's doing banger work over there on uh, on our production side, so very, very appreciative of it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, hit that like button as you leave. Consider subscribing for the Rumble channel wherever you're getting your podcasts and drop one of those five-star reviews. We will catch you again after the weekend, and if you catch the interview with Mickey Willis, which we're going to be teasing out just a little bit further, um, that means that it's baby time in the Seraphim house. So send your prayers our way, and for my wife, Emily, if we, uh, we, we move along in this uh, process, I know she's ready. Any of you women who have been pregnant know. When it's time, it's time. This baby needs to come out. We need to have a new seraphim in the world. Uh, thanks so much. 
God bless you all. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.